Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day, immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites, as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another podcast. We are uh, continuing the Veterans Retreat down at St. George's Holiday Suites um, at the end of October, start of November 2022. Continuing with the podcasts, and uh, at this stage of the game, I'm sort of starting to get a bit desperate and running out of ideas and sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, my guests. Uh, so with that in mind, welcome to the podcast, Dr. John Bullitt. Well, Michael, thank you for uh, not taking into consideration my feelings and uh, being <laughs> offensive straight out of the chute. Um, however, I still, in spite of that, I still do feel welcome. Yeah, most welcome. And so uh, to ground this in a bit of context, uh, John has been the key facilitator and uh, you know, leader of the of the program. This is a bit of a different one to normal. What we'd normally do is a, a number of us facilitators would be sort of running the sessions, and and John may or may not sort of parachute in for one session here or there. But he is he is the man for four or five days. So he's he's under the pump. He's he's gracious enough to um, give us some of his time to sit down and have an interview. And uh, I can say without blowing any smoke that the people are loving it. The feedback is fantastic. And um, yeah, really, with these long days, if it wasn't for his infectious and um, charismatic delivery of style of delivery people would be falling asleep so thank you so much for everything you've given so far you are far too kind michael but i'll I'll take some of that as being (laughs) somewhere close to the truth and the rest of it uh smoke (laughs) somewhere it's it's always as you said before that's never one thing right it's It's always an amalgam it's the it's the um, yeah that's it (laughs) well i guess first and foremost so you are one of the more unique guests in the sense that you uh, are not from military background which i think is fantastic because it's always good about having other um perspectives people who aren't military, I think that's worth its weight in gold, it really is. But you're no stranger to working in the veteran environment either. You did TA3 back in um, 2016, I think it was, or, or something early like 2017, yeah. uh, so, which is before I jumped on board. You've been working with Gary and Michael Stone a long time, um, and you've been working with me, as it, yep. as it happens, as for some one-on-one stuff. So um, you are no stranger to the defence environment. But in terms of your, your academic background, can we just dive into that a little bit quickly? Yeah, yeah, just uh, briefly have a background as an educator and as an academic uh, counselor and a clinical psychologist uh, in private practice now for something close to 14 or 15 years and yep. sort of in transition myself. So um, from full-time private practice to basically, I'd like to say retirement or semi-retirement, just doing a few little corporate gigs or voluntary gigs or community stuff now and again yep. Yep. Um, when I've got the, the space, but certainly fairly strong background in education and in psychology. So this sort of space in working with veterans um in group context really suits me because it's not the one-on-one clinical stuff because yep. a lot of the guys and gals get that stuff in from other people in other contexts. Mm-hmm. So when I come into the TA space, 
the VCA space. It's really about going at that level around uh, group facilitation, education, reflection and review, mm. uh, providing some resources sometimes. So it sort of it fits um, with you know where it is that I come from, yep. and certainly over the last I think it's six or seven years with my connection uh, to VCA, mm. um, even though I'm not ex-military, have certainly developed a sensitivity and awareness to the nuance in yep. that space. Yep. And um, and I think I almost always remember to say how privileged I feel to be invited into that space. It's a sacred space, people's mm. stories, people's pain, people's uh, hopes and expectations. So it's been yep. very cool if I can use that non-psychology <laughs> term to be uh, yeah. with you all yep. um, at various times. Fantastic. And look, you have, as you've mentioned in a brief overview there, you've worked in a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different contexts, everything from, you know, family counselling to high-flying entrepreneurs and everything in between. Um, you know, you've been a teacher, you've done a whole range of things. What, what's, what is one of the nuances of working with defence and in a defence environment that's sort of different to the rest of them, if there was something that jumps out to you? Yeah, um, I guess there are f- would be a, a few things that have jumped out over the years. I guess uh, something about the character of the military pe- personnel, and that is that, um, uh, if you like, in using some terminology that we use, we take from positive psychology, and that is one of the character strengths. Mm. And, you know, one of those relative sort of signature strengths for a lot of um, people that I've come into contact with in this context is that idea of civic duty, that idea of, you know, country, other, you know, uh, fellow, um, you know, man, yep. Yep. Um, and having a sensitivity to, you know, bigger global issues and, and wanting to make a contribution. So, yep. So that would certainly be one that, is expressed in a fairly significant way for yeah. people who, who choose to join the military, so that would be one. Um, that collegiality as well—it's such a you know such a tribe that you guys belong to. You know mm. you, you know the way that you have you know I guess back in the day you had a you know a, a jacket that you wore and you, you had it and you took it off and you put it back on and whatever. But mm. even when you've taken it off in a way the uniform off, there's still something which is I'm not sure if I'll be dramatic and call it bone deep, but you know, maybe it is sometimes that mm. idea of mm. that allegiance to the tribe, that allegiance to, you know, your fellow service um, personnel. Mm-hmm. So that collegiality would certainly be another one, that brotherhood there, the sisterhood, yep. um, very powerful stuff. Mm. Um, and also the um, the unique experiences that you have in sort of living in your own community in mm. that way and deployments and and training. It, man, it, you know, you you all have been pushed around in various ways beyond comfort zone, yeah. you know, almost like on a daily basis probably, <laughs> yeah. whereas other people uh, don't experience that. So that's your, you know, that's, we'd say, de rigueur for you. That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And and working in that that stretch zone, uh, and sometimes you might even call it the holy shit zone, you know, because that's probably <laughs> what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, that's, you know, what that does for your... Uh, your brain and your body, I, you know, as a, as a psychologist, as a health practitioner, I can only sort of imagine mm. what that does. So that's, you know, that's a, if you like, a qualitative difference. Um, yep, yep. So there's a couple of them. And then for people who've been on deployment, obviously the um, significant experiences that have been shared uh, with others or the individual experience inside your own head as well mm-hmm. about what it is that you've seen, done, thought that you failed to do whatever it might however that's interpreted in your own narrative um there's another piece that you know that's the that's the pointy end right it is uh, and so people can only imagine um or uh be thankful that they haven't been in that space so i think there's a whole lot of people out there have gratitude for what it is that you all have have done Mm. and Mm. uh, and been so I guess there's a few, there's a few, few yeah. bits there. Yeah, yeah well, sure. that's, that sounds like they're probably the most significant ones. And yeah. uh, there's a couple of things you said there. That I'm wondering if it's kind of like 
it's your greatest strength and greatest weakness at the same time in a sense that, you know, uh, the couple of points I jotted down there, I've, d- I've dab- dabbled in acting bits and pieces, which, you know, um, you know, not so much recently, but sort of a few years gone by. And I had a one-on-one acting coach um, just the other day as a sort of standalone thing because I'm doing a short film at the end of the year. I'm sort of preparing this character and getting some stuff ready. And um, it's the first real thing I've done since 2018 in cool. terms of actually getting a lesson. And he asked me, this guy, what I'd done before. And I mentioned a particular school and, um, you know, he said, uh, yeah, I've been coaching or have coached a few army boys in the past. And he said, yeah, I've really noticed that there is some challenges in getting you to sort of connect with some of the emotional range that's required for a lot of characters. He goes, you guys are you know, not being judgmental in any way, but there's a lot of shut off emotion there. And uh, he goes, particularly with one school that he knows that I told him that I did, he's like, yeah, that would have been a real challenge because that's really going hard and, and that really goes after it. And that's yeah. the struggle for even seasoned actors. So, um, excuse me, I guess my point is, uh, yeah, that the, the trade-off of being trained and conditioned and being capable of going into these environments for so long over such a long career is that um, it's hard to take that coat off because you've been trained to be disassociated and, and non-reactive and be able to perform in these high threat, high stress environments for long periods of time, many times throughout your career. When you get to the tail end of that, then you go, ah, there's actually a lot of downfalls to this and that can be in your personal life, relationships, you know, um, your ability to express yourself and whatever the means that is. Acting is only one of many examples. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. In a sense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was, you know, what was what was true in the morning is not, <laughs> is not true in the evening. <laughs> yeah. You know, what it is that you required at at one point and held you in good stead. Yeah. Um, and if you didn't have it, develop it, be able to slip in and out of that sort of space. Well, mm. you know, your ability to go the distance or do what it is you need to well mm. is is diminished. So yeah, mm. it's a it is a pardon the part. You know, it's a two edged sword there. But yeah. Yep. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, groups like VCA and or the military more broadly, I guess, when people are, are still serving, ha, ha, develop a greater sensitivity around um, are there some other models yeah. that may work a little bit better than what has, you know, what's happened in the past. Some of that's been fabulous. Some of it's been okay. Some of it's been, uh, you know. Um, pretty shitty. Mm. Pretty shitty. Yeah, it's fallen <laughs> short, you know, mm, and mm. it's a matter of, you know, how do we collect the data around what's a bit shitty and do something a little better? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, um, you yeah, know, that's a challenge, man, because, you know, time, resources, yep. you know, um, makes that it makes that a challenge. doesn't make it impossible, mm, mm. but, you know, if, if what we do is we care about our people and we care about our future and we care about longevity and people and, and hopefully there is increasing care in these spaces, mm. then, um, mm. then changes, you know, may come down the pike. Absolutely. And uh, I think um, the other thing that you, you mentioned there about the brotherhood, you know, that, that sort of that's one of the things you notice as being a, stand, a standout part of defence and defence members. Um, that in of itself is another example of, of a strength that can become a weakness in a sense because you, you have that when you're in defence. And you get out and you no longer have that. There might be one or two really close people that you'll be friends with for life, but maybe they went and started working in the mines or they went and worked in Dubai or whatever. And so you get now down to one or two. And you've been talking a lot about friend networks. And sometimes when you someone retires or goes from one job or one environment to the next, that that sort of shrinks. And that's why these sorts of programs and just the veteran community in general is so important because veterans really do need that. They're very um, uh, connection-driven, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And <coughs> the... 
brotherhood, which might be really tight, might be uh, what I'm hearing from you is that, and some of what I've seen seen is that it, it makes you insular. You know, you stay within your own cohort, within your own brotherhood. Yeah. And if yep. everybody's going hell west and crooked, um, it's an echo chamber of kind of despair, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. And, and and how do you how do you reach out? Because you know your experiences, um, like some other, uh, only a couple of other groups that I work with, they look around and they say these other people don't look like me, use my language, have my values, speak. You know, and it's like they, they feel like an alien in their own yeah in their yeah. own you know their own suburb. You know. Yeah. And. Um, and how do you then make that effort? Because as we know, well know, you know, there's a lot of loneliness out there. Yep. And in the and this is bad as smoking, as you said. It, exactly <laughs> in terms of life expectancy. Yeah. I'm glad, Michael, that you were listening because through that presentation, I thought you, I saw you napping, but clearly, <laughs> clearly you were staying awake for most of it. And that, yes, oh, absolutely. I thought I had stickers on my eyelids to, to, <laughs> to cover it. Now. Yeah. yeah. That that loneliness has, and I think a lot of people would find that astonishing to, yeah. to hear that loneliness has the same impact as smoking cigarettes. In terms of life life expectancy, mm, you know that, that that subjective experience of not having anybody around and wanting somebody, mm. you know, potentially up to about you know the average is about ten years off your life. So we're talking about serious stuff, and the other stuff that we've talked about in these last few days yeah. uh, around having a life that flourishing is about you know having multiple tribes, not having one. Yep. And if you've had the one connection to you know your work, mm. and you don't have that to other sports hobbies blokes community yep. you know, whatever that might be um and you you know and so you lose what it is you had and you don't add some other stuff afterwards whether it's after a deployment or when you're you know transitioning into you know civilian life or retirement any of those um man the risk there is you know, you know something like 20 fold so you know if if we really are you know we want to be careful about our finances we want to be careful about um you know um, our, you know, our stuff in different ways. You know, we, we need to be damn careful about this social stuff because that'll kick you in the tail every day. And there was something that you said in one of your sessions today um, where it's not just about what, how many social networks but also what type and what flavour and what kind. There's what, the one thing that I hear out there in many circles is like I like to be around like-minded people and I don't disagree with that. I think being around like-minded people has its advantages because you can, you know, bounce some ideas and, and, and sort of have that collegiality but... Also, de- definitely like the idea of hanging around non-like-minded people, yeah. because as long as they have your back and as long as they, you know, they're not adversarial, hanging around non-like-minded people can open your eyes. It can help you help you realize that, hey man, this thing, I've, this lens I've been looking through the world, which you know I I, I purchased in inverted commas twenty years ago, it's out of date, man. Yeah. And, and and this way that I look at the world served that. You know, what got me from where I was before to where I am now is not what's going to get me from where I am now to where I want to be. And I think hanging around. Something you mentioned is people who are older than you, people who are younger than you, people who are you know of different backgrounds, male, female, is huge. So whilst we endorse, yes, hang around veterans, yes, get involved with the ESO community and the veteran tribe, also running parallel to that, be around people who are not like that at all. Yeah, absolutely. You need to spend time with um, people who speak other languages, and you know, languages doesn't mean literally. It you know, it just means people who have a who have have come from different backgrounds or have done different things because they will see the world in different ways, like you said, through a different lens. And, you know, the echo chamber sometimes can be gratifying when we just want somebody to be on our side. We want to have a bitch and moan about, you know, (laughs) whatever. We want somebody to say, yeah, absolutely right. You know, and I think in life we need to have the, you know, the fan club that when you bitch and moan about something, people are on your side. Yeah, that's terrible. And I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's great. So you need the fan club. 
But if you don't have the devil's advocates as well, yeah, and, and you don't have the prophets, you know, the people who have done stuff, you know, sort of almost like um, my dad used to. My dad used to have this expression. He said, "You know, where you're going, I've already been." Mm. You know, mm. and it's not exactly true, but you understand the nuance of that sort of idea. And so, you know, so sometimes that's when the you know the dad's like, "Well, you know, trust me on this one because you know." This is, you know, the way that it is now, but I've done it all. I've seen this happen before and this is where, you know. So have your fan club, the echo chamber, if you like, and but have the, the devil's advocates, the yeah. people who will push you around. Or in my profession we sometimes call it, sorry for the imagery, but we say spitting in your soup. You know, the people <laughs> who will push you around and mm. just and make things uncomfortable for you. Because yep. if you ain't uncomfortable, mm. there's no stretch. If you ain't uncomfortable, then you're not um, questioning the the orthodoxy in your head yeah and so not super uncomfortable it's, it's not gonna you know not not a mile away yeah sort yep. of stuff because that's just too far you, you know we're not gonna we can't bridge that mile but if it's like a few feet away mm. then you know there's a chance of us actually growing to that sort of understanding that position and and um but yeah and having people who when you leave you feel uplifted even if they've been pushing you around a bit mm. Um, mm. and um and, and that you have quite a few of those because you're right, some will go to the mines, some will go to Dubai, make a truck ton of money, you know, good yep. on them. Yep. But, you know, you know, people will leave at different times. So if you've only got all your – if you've got your eggs in one basket, you're vulnerable. So, yeah. And, I'm, and, and as we've talked about, it's not 50 groups, two, three, four, five, you know, a handful of groups mm. that you see once a week, once a fortnight, once a month, you mm. know, whatever, and you hang out and you share a little bit. And especially, I think, particularly for blokes too um, – Sometimes blokes won't share certain things. You talked about the the um, the emotionality or the sensitivity or dissociating from some of the internal emotional world. Yep, yep. Sometimes blokes, and I've been involved with a few men's groups in different ways. When blokes are with blokes and they're some oftentimes doing something, you know, working on the car, doing some blacksmithing, mm, mm. painting the fence. What? Hey, mate, can you give us a hand? Can you? I need. You know, it's sort of like men will. The really nice thing about the masculine. Not necessarily just men, but the nice thing about the masculine is the hero stuff and the legacy stuff and the team stuff. So if somebody's vulnerable, it's like, oh mate, I need a hand with the painting the fence. Can I, I got to get this bloody thing? Oh, come and give you a hand, you know. And all of a sudden, men, you know, guys wanting to help each other, which is really nice. But when you're in that context, it's like, oh, by the way, you know, I've noticed this problem down there, you know, or you know, I've been thinking this lately, mm, and, mm. and they'll share that when they're working side by side, or you know, and 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 so the initial. Um, difficulty with vulnerability can open up when you're actually doing something because the stress is down, mm. the intimacy. It's not like you and I looking at each other yep. right now, which has an intimacy and intensity. Yep. But when you're working beside each other or you know doing some gardening or some heavy lifting, literally or whatever, um, well then things can open up and guys will guys will do that. I mean that's mm. the whole you know the whole men's shed movement. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That, that, that's what that's about. It's yep. like, and that's why, you know, a lot of those guys do not want women coming into the men's shed thing. <laughs> yeah. They're going to get the she shed going on, you know, <laughs> because they yeah. want to be able to share, you know, and it yeah. could be physical things. could be stuff about, you know, what we call, you know, andrology, you know, some of this, you know, male, um, you know, uh, biological uh, challenges, you know, mm, and mm. guys will talk to other guys about some of that in their own way at times. Yep. Um, it takes a while, but, you know... I think that's why the peer mentoring model works so br brilliantly running parallel to the clinical model. Like you're a clinical psychologist by trade. Um, there's only so many of you to go around, you know, and I think – I certainly don't think peer mentoring alone is necessarily the, the idea, but that might be just enough to get the veteran to thaw out enough, to open up enough to go, okay, got a conversation going now. Uh, maybe 
maybe this person's idea is okay and then they can kind of become a warmer prospect if you want to put it in marketing terms yeah. and they go okay maybe i do need help and then they go get the you know it's like the the, you know, the analogy i use is you know when i was in infantry i, I did a three-week you know advanced first aid course combat combat first aid course it's not like being a medic but it's enough to sort of you know you can cannulate someone you can give them a shot of adrenaline you can give them a you know um, nasal pharyngeal if it gets bad enough whatever the case may be is like you're did there you, did, you, did you ever have to use a laryngoscope no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get that to the we'll get onto that in the second podcast. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but your your job is to preserve life for long enough that you get them back to the surgeon. Yeah, right. Who's back at the hospital. Nice. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And you will never receive necessarily unless you want to follow that path enough training to do that yourself, but you can get them to that point. Otherwise they may never get there. Yeah. And that's where I kind of see peer mentoring being that sort of more people out on the ground with potential you know maybe significantly less training, but enough to get that person moving on a trajectory that leads them to higher sort of levels of intervention. Absolutely. I, I, I really like the, the analogy there. And I guess as a health practitioner, sometimes I think about the stepped care model. And the stepped care model is like a triangle. And you just divide it up three equal portions. Yep. And obviously if you, with a triangle, the way with the pointy, pointy piece up, mm. um, that the bottom is going to be the biggest biggest. Um, in terms of volume, mm. and in that in that bottom part of the stepped care model is all of the preventative, proactive, the stuff you're talking about. It's not a place for you know psychologists, psychiatrists. That you know, it, it's just mm. it, it's a place for people making lifestyle changes, mentors, peers, coaches, family, friends, mm-hmm. you know, ex buddies, blah blah blah. You know, and doing all of that stuff enough to give some support yep. and maybe plant some seed. Either the the peer mentor, you know, the, the peers, the mentors might plant some seeds yep. intentionally yep. or it just organically unfolds and then they might get to the point of saying, oh, jeez, there's some stuff which is a little bit mm. um, more delicate or more intrusive than what we're talking about and then it's moving up the one step to that middle part of the the um, the, the stepped care model, the triangle, which is yeah. some early intervention. Actually, you know what, I probably need to go and see my GP or oh, maybe I should join a group or... Uh, you talked about a psychologist, you know, where are those people and who's yep. a good one or who's, yep. you know. And then actually, so the base has got all of the proactive preventative stuff. Then there's the early intervention, which we all need. You, me, everybody does at different times, whether we're talking medical um, or psychological, however that's, you know, whether it's groups or individual stuff. And then only periodically or for some people they need it routinely is at that top of the the top of the uh, yep. the triangle, which is the acute phase, you know? Yep. So, you know, you fall over and you break your arm, well, you're not going to go down to, you know, this bottom level. You're going straight up to the top. Yep. You know, you've got some significant needs, well, then you need significant intervention. Mm. Um, and, and actually understanding those those layers and, and down the bottom is really around, um, you know, family, friends, trusted others and, you know, and I think I've used the expression with you before that at the end of the day, you know, we're all bozos on the same bus here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> whether, you know, you have a PhD in psychology or whether you, you know, you're, you know, you don't. Yep. We all are open to the vagaries of life mm-hmm. and we've all had curveballs. Yep. And, um, and um, you know, we just need to deal with damn stuff because, you know, we get this one crack at this life, well, in this way, as far as we know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, what do you want to do with that? Do you just want to... You know, make shit up as you go along, and yep. and and if you're good at it or great at it, happy days. Mm. But if there are some clunky bits, how do you stop, review, rest, and then reset, mm. so that you know that next part of our lives can be sweeter, brighter, easier, 
uh, or more challenging if you if you know if you want to step into that sort of space as well. Yeah. So it's about having more control and more more options. Yep. So yeah, fantastic. I love it. I love it. And I think uh, another thing that'd be great to sort of leave the listeners with is uh, I think some sort of a model. You know, we've spoken about a few, and you take your pick. You've, you've mentioned a few. We spoke about rays. Spoke about perma. Oh, okay. um, you know, obviously don't need to go. We don't have time to go into the detail that you have run us through so far. But if you it know, was I would be very happy to do that, Michael. If we had like another hour, hour and a half on this podcast. I'd probably need to stretch my back out if I go to that. That's <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, um, I guess whichever one you think is sort of biggest bang for buck, if you could maybe just briefly summarise those models and how veterans can benefit from them. Yeah, great. Um, you're right. There are many models, you know, many roads to Rome. I guess um, one of the things that I've been aware of in working in this space with VCA um, particularly has been the need to get deliberate and intentional um, with a model if you like, I don't know if it's for change, but for exploring the potential for change or growth. Yep. And you, you know, talked about Ray's, you know, um, and which is a which is a model about journaling. Yep. And, and um, if I recall correctly, Ray's is about that on an on a on an ongoing basis. You know, whether it's every morning or, mo- you know, more mornings than not during the week. Yep. Um, and Ray's is is an acronym R A I S E. Um, R is about reading educating yourself it could be podcasts like this it could be ted talks it could be a book that you know uh, um i often encourage people people say oh i'm not a great reader and i'll say look uh, and but they'll say i've got all these books and i've started and all i say is put the book where you have a cup of coffee you know or a cup of tea in the morning and even if you only read one page every morning one page it's progress stick a stick a mark in it next morning and it's just one you know and if it becomes one or two you know an extra couple of pages fabulous you know mm. so it's about starting the day with um with some reading so a little bit of learning get the brain firing nicely uh coming out of that coma from the night and 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 um and 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 uh, considering some stuff you hadn't considered before so that's the, the 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 r the a is about an affirmation that is about you know some positive thoughts you know some uh, you know it might be some inspirational reading for some people it might be a prayer uh, thinking about your values, you know that sort of stuff. So yep. it's about something that's affirming and maybe some gratitude sort of stuff there, which is we, we know is great for our brain and our hormonal system. The I is about an intentionality, and the intentionality is about what am I going to do today? Mm. You know, where's my calendar or date book? Where's my to do list? So so you don't have to make it up as you go along. And so it just might be a simple list of errands, but it might also be my intention for the day is to consider something which is a bit more lofty or a bit more long-term or a bit more yep. you know, complex. So, you know, if, if you don't have that intention, everybody knows the, uh, the Ben Franklin uh, quote about, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. fail. Yep. Everybody's heard that. So that's that, that's that sort of that intentionality. Yeah. Um, the S is about silence. Did you like that dramatic pause? I did. I even had to pause my sip of water to um, stay true to the to the aim. <laughs> <laughs> and silence is, you know, for some people, you know, Padre Stone would say, would talk about the sacred space of silence. But as a psychologist, you know, and um, you know, the, the the silence is about coming back to the breath, coming back to nature, maybe doing some stretching, or even just chilling out. Just mm. you know, it might even be just having a cup of tea, and that might be the silence because in that space, stuff percolates through. Not only does the hormonal system settle down, but other stuff can percolate through. And if it doesn't percolate through, that's fine too because yeah. you've actually come into contact with your body or your breath or environment in some way. Mm. Um, I mean, you and I are going at a pretty good clip here because we're, you know, mm. we're getting this getting this thing done. But, you know, when we're finished all of this, we'll want a bit of space. Yep. You know, I might go across to the beach. I might, you know, just sit in the room again or whatever. So, so don't underestimate the silence, you know. Um, and... Um, as one of my professors used to say, don't just do something, 
stand there. Mm. You know, because, you know, we've been trained the other way. You know, don't just That's stand there, do something. Good. I like that. It's a nice one, right? He wasn't a particularly nice professor, but it was a nice saying, you know. <laughs> and, it, you know, just so and you get the point with the yeah. with the silence. Um, and um, and sometimes the silence for a lot of guys and gals will be the meditative, you know, mindfulness sort of stuff. And the last one is E, which is exercise. And, you know, and most people know I'm not a great huge exponent of exercise necessarily, but I'm a huge exponent of moving. How do you have an Adonis body then? It's, it's, it's hard to believe, right, how ripped I am. Um, and not being a major, you know, gym gym junkie, yeah. um, but it's really about moving routinely yeah. and getting the heart pumping, getting the mo- you know, getting the body moving. And uh, for some, it'll be yoga. I'm a big fan of yoga, breath work. Um, actually, I'm a big fan of kayaking. You know, and mm. and you know, it, you know, part of that is about exercise, but part of it is about meditation and and silence. Actually, is the reality for me. So, it's whatever it is that floats your boat. Pardon the pun, but it's but it's whatever it is that makes sense to you to move. Yeah, you know, gardening being you know a bit obsessive in in your cleaning in the in the house or you know whatever it might be but just ensuring you get your damn body moving because you want blood flow nicely oxygenated blood Mm. because it just keeps you know our brain you know nicely um active and 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 as we you know as we age with and every and we all are you know that uh it it it, you know it it, uh it keeps our our skeletal system and our muscular system moving um because you know we you know like you know, we know we've got and we've only got one of these. Yep. And uh, prevention is prevention is better than cure. Can't so. go back to the Q store, Q store and get reissued another one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. It's a really good model, and what I particularly like about it is it has that mix of it. You know, as you said, you know, don't just do something stand. Uh, you know, you know you I'm like trying that. to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, defense is exactly a, a perfect example of that. Yeah, you, you used to actually get in trouble for standing still. That was the thing, right? And that's why people smoked. Because if you're smoking, you're technically doing something, right? <laughs> and so you, you, so it's built into us, drilled into us from a, an early stage that you've always got to be doing something. This happened to me when I came back from Afghanistan in um, December 2013. I remember January 2014, after, you know, a week or two's leave, I just came back and I started writing a massive to-do list. You know, I've got to start doing stuff. It's like, no, you've been on operations for eight and a half months, seven days a week, 18-hour days. You don't need to do anything. But... I was just that perpetual motion of brain of being at that level when and that sort of sort of functionality hadn't slowed down, and uh, I rolled into you know a promotion course for sergeant two weeks later, and I was cooked, man. Like you just, you've got to have that silence, you've got to have that that alone time, that defrag time. Um, yeah. It can't be just go 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 all the time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, yeah no, I, I I get that, and it's it's quite a challenge. And, and you're right, it would sort of it, it's been sold to us by whether it's the military or our culture or yeah. you know whatever it might be. Of you know, what was the old one? I think they used to say you know the devil finds work for idle hands or something like that. It's like oh, the that, dev, devil, uh, devil's hands, or, no, idle hands are the devil's playground. Yeah, something like that. that's yeah. it. There you go. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for the correction. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's crazy, isn't it? And we embed, you know, and there's sometimes when we um, when we Want it when we need or want to just chill out <clears throat> for people around us or even our own head. We almost like get apologetic about it. It's yeah. Like, oh, this isn't okay, but I think I just want to watch some Netflix or something, or I don't have anything on the calendar, and oh shit, you know that's not okay. And it's like, no, it's, it is absolutely okay, and we know that for so many reasons, and we shouldn't get apologetic about it mm. to other people or to ourselves. We just need to be make you know a declarative statement about I'm taking the I'm taking the, the morning off. 
uh, or I'm going to be sitting on the couch this afternoon and I'm you know going to catch up on you know some Zs, you know, and and just damn do it. Um, so one of the things I think that really antagonizes that and sort of fuels fuels the flames is social media. You know, you might you might be having the opportunity to sit down, and then I, I've been pretty good. I've, I've hardly been on my phone um, much at all this program, other than just for logistics and admin stuff. But I haven't um, scrolled through social media much at all, maybe twice. Um, but even when I did, it was almost like I could feel myself getting pulled back into that, you know, past the event of horizon of like, oh, now I'm comparing myself to other people or they're doing better than me or I should be doing stuff. So I think one of the worst things you could ever do when you're having that silent time is look at your phone and go, go through social media because what you're doing is you're comparing how everyone else out there looks on the outside <laughs> compared to how you feel on the inside. And that's when you sort of go, oh, there's, oh, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. Yeah. I need to be making sure I'm not losing ground in this area of my life or someone overtakes me. Or like, it's just, yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and the really interesting thing, the crazy bit, especially being in a wonderful venue like this, is mm. there is that opportunity for rest and, uh, and silence and doing nothing. Mm. And yet, you, you know, it's almost like, I need to take a photo of this and send to somebody to show them how I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, and, it, you know, the, and, and, and there and you are doing something. Exactly, <laughs> rather than just sort of like, you know, noticing, and you know, in the mindfulness tradition is like noticing that you want to take a photograph of it and send it and notice that, name it for what it is, but then just to sit back and chill and, and uh, you know, roll your eyes at your own silliness, <laughs> yeah. if you like, yeah. of what it is that you've been sold and just get on with the, you know, yeah. get on with doing nothing. That's so, it. yeah, it's, um, it's important. Absolutely. It, it is. And uh, look, I think we might... Um, Consider wrapping up there. You've got more presentations today, so I don't want to suck too much of your mental bandwidth, um, you know, when you've got a lot on your plate and you, you will continue for the next couple of days. So I really thank you for taking half an hour out of your time here and having a chat. Uh, is there anything crucial you think I've missed that you want to shoehorn in there at the last minute? Or? No, I, I, I just want to thank you for the opportunity yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of this podcast and, you know, um, I'm, I'm grateful for being in this space and hopefully some of the stuff that we've talked about here and we've shared um, is useful to some people sometimes. So um, thank you for your interest. Dr. John Barletta, thank you so much for your time and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Cheers, John. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.